What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Okay, we're going to learn some things here today, I think. Um, there is, uh, uh, well, it sounds like just an awful, awful situation taking place in Africa. More violence being reported today in the capital of Sudan. Um, thousands and thousands of people there are trying to flee fighting that broke out uh, on Saturday. It has killed scores of civilians. Um, there's been repeated calls from the international community for a ceasefire, but today, as I said, warplanes continuing to uh, bombard Khartoum, and there are reports that hospitals and homes have been destroyed. There's been attacks on diplomats and different aid organizations. It sounds like an awful situation in a part of the world that even before this was in dire straits. So let's find out exactly what's going on. We're going to speak with Jeffrey York, who is the Africa Bureau Chief for the Globe and Mail. Jeffrey, thanks so much for your time today. I appreciate you being here. Thank you for having me. Let's just get the, the lay of the land. Uh, what's happening? First of all, who's fighting who here? What, what, what's, uh, you know, who's at war, if, it, if we want to call it that? Yeah, I understand why, uh, you know, some Canadians might be a bit confused by it. Yeah. It's really a power struggle between two military factions, um, you know, which, which have been united in the past uh, when they when they um, toppled um, the longtime dictator Omar al-Bashir in 2019. And again, in, in 2021, when they had another uh, military coup to entrench their control of the country. Um, and But they've promised that there would be a transition to a civilian government. And basically, as you know, push came to shove, it came closer and closer to the day when they were supposed to you know, sign the agreement and, and uh, accept the terms of this transition to civilian rule. They, they had a falling out, these two factions, one of them being basically the Sudanese army and the other faction being a paramilitary force called the Rapid Support Forces, um, which are more than just an ordinary militia. I mean, they have something close to 100,000 fighters in their ranks. And, you know, Canadians who remember all the controversy about Darfur many right. years ago might remember the militia called the Janjaweed, uh, which was terrorizing villages in, in, in Darfur at the time and, and, and crushing the rebellion there on behalf of the Sudanese regime. And well, well, that militia basically evolved into the RSF, the Rapid Support Forces, which is now this huge paramilitary force, which is one of the two warring parties in Sudan right now. Okay, so you've got you've got two groups that were working together as part of uh, a military operation that overthrew the government. Now they're battling for ultimate control, I guess, after their partnership fell apart. Yeah, and also just for who would have the upper hand when this supposed civilian-led government is gets put into place. Because, you know, Sudan is um, really struggling economically, yeah. and they need international help. They need economic help. They also need humanitarian help. And they know that's going to be difficult if they continue to delay on a transition to civilian rule. Now, there's a third party here which is the people, really, um, these um, street protesters, uh, thousands and thousands of them who've been courageously going into the streets week after week for years and pushing for full democracy. Now, the, the military and the paramilitary have been suppressing those protesters for years, 
although those protesters did have a big role in over overturning over overthrowing the the dictator Omar al Bashir in 2019. So those forces, those those street protesters are still out there. They're called the resistance committees. They are pushing for full democracy. And in a way, they're, they're on the sideline watching this uh, very deadly, bloody struggle between these two generals, which is really causing havoc all over the country. And the question is, what happens at the end of it? Is there still a transition to civilian rule? You mentioned havoc happening all over the country. I understand that most of it's centered around Khartoum, but like you say, there's things happening all over the place. How how bad has it gotten? Warplanes, bombardment? I mean, it sounds like it's getting very, very, you know, just devastating at this point. Yeah, I mean, a lot of it has been in places like Darfur that have suffered so greatly for yeah. many years, uh, and in Kordofan and other regions all over the country. But what's new this time is that the fighting is right in Khartoum, which had been generally peaceful. I mean, it was a stable city um a, a big city of five million people um and now for the first time they're in the middle of the fighting and what really happened is you know the the janjaweed when they turned into the rsf and they, they came out of darfur and they moved into khartoum as part of the regime and you know when i was in khartoum uh you know a few years ago it was easy to see uh their headquarters and their commercial property that you know they're very wealthy organization with a lot, huge amount of power and they moved into khartoum and now they've really emerged as a threat to the sudanese military and that's why there's this power struggle but you're right on the ground the ordinary people are suffering hugely it's just been devastating i mean the world health organization says that there's been you know something like 330 people killed and um, 3,300 injured, but that's only the tip of the iceberg. It's a lot more than that. Clearly, there's bodies all over the street that haven't been collected. The hospitals are shutting down. Uh, very few of them are able to keep going. They don't have medicine. They don't have blood, you know, fuel for their generators, water. Um, I mean, we talked to Sudanese Canadians uh, yesterday who talked about um, people they know in Khartoum, the Sudanese Canadians who are in Khartoum right now, they have to go down to the Nile River to collect water because the water is not running in their houses. The water supply, a lot of it, has has collapsed. Um, some of it's coming back now, but but you know it's a really a dire situation for ordinary people in this city of five million people. Yeah, it just sounds absolutely awful. And I'm also reading reports that um, foreign diplomats, aid program workers, have been also targeted in some instances. Do you know anything about that? Yeah, there's been certainly a number of reports of that. The UN says that three of its aid workers were killed. Um, the U.S. says a diplomatic convoy w was hit with gunfire. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a number of these attacks. Uh, it does seem that the RSF has been targeting uh, West, you know, foreign expats uh, and, and looting their homes. Uh, you know, just trying to get uh, property and so on. I mean, to some extent, a lot of the fighters on the ground are just out of control now. They're very undisciplined and they're just looting. Um, but you're right. I mean, foreigners have been targeted. And that's another reason why a number of governments are frantically trying to see what they can do to evacuate their people. Yeah, there's been, you know, calls from all around the world uh, for a ceasefire. Obviously not effective. It hasn't happened. But um, what, what do we know about the international community's response and what they're trying to do to to stem the violence 
Well, there's a, a lot of things are being tried. I mean, the U.S. is threatening now to bring sanctions in, but it may be a bit late for that. I mean, it's uh, the, the, these uh, warring generals don't really care about sanctions at this point. Uh, but, um, you know, there's certainly a lot of diplomacy, backroom diplomacy. Some of the Middle Eastern countries like Saudi Arabia and the UAE have a lot of influence in Sudan. So they are being uh, pressured to intervene and do everything they can do. To, you know, and it's in their interest as well to, to try to bring, bring a ceasefire. Um, and on the evacuation side, uh, a number of countries, Germany, Japan, the Netherlands, the U.S., are all reported to be mobilizing aircraft to try to get in to airlift their citizens out of the country. Now, if they do that, the big question is, what about bringing aid in as well, a humanitarian corridor or something to bring um uh, emergency aid into the country because right now they've got nothing and everything is running out. So they, they need not just uh, evacuations, but also humanitarian aid. And it's important, and you pointed it out earlier, Jeffrey, to mention the fact that, I mean, Sudan was in dire straits before this started. I mean, we're talking about world hunger programs because mass hunger was taking place. There, Those have been suspended. So it's just adding uh, another layer of misery to this country. Yeah, I mean, something like one-third of the population, about 15 or 16 million people, uh, are, have been in need of a humanitarian aid or, or are receiving humanitarian aid, and that's all being suspended. So, um, yes, there's there's hunger, there's starvation, um, a number of the programs to help the, 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 the most severely malnourished people have been suspended. So uh, people are going to die just on, on that side. Um, so that's another reason why this is crucial. And, you know, the humanitarian agencies are saying that their offices are being looted, um, you know, vehicles are being stolen, uh, and it's going to be very difficult for them to restart their programs when this is over. What a nightmare. What a mess. Jeffrey, thank you so much for giving us some insight as to what's happening there. I really appreciate it.